the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. 20 years ago in financial media, I broke into the business as part of an analyst, as part of building a business model tied towards tech stocks, investing in tech stocks. You got to admit, at times, you have to change your, your ways of thinking, but it's, it's important to have a good grasp of one sector. There's things called investment policy committees that companies that have CFPs and registered investment advisors use. And in an investment policy committee, you typically have four or five different types of analysts, sometimes up to 10, 15. And they'll all represent and follow a sector, like retail or like financials. Maybe if they're in financials, they're following insurance or they're following banks, they're following brokers, or they're following the big three that have all merged and acquired each other and kind of do business that they haven't done before because they had the client for investment advisory. Why not sell them some insurance, too? I got to thinking about some of the tech that I used to have to explain to people 20 years ago. One of them was a company called Visioneer. Now, they're still around because I got a kick out of this. But I remember taking a look at some of my notes. I had to prep and explain why scanners were important. 20 years ago, the, the brokerage industry, the investment advisory industry, the financial planning industry was pretty unsophisticated when it came to tech. But there was a company called Visioneer who made this little printer thing that you would scan a document into it super fast, and out came a PDF, or instantly it jumps into an email. It's like, whoa. And trying to explain to people who were 50, 55 years old at that time, you're like, well, it's a better way of storing documents in a digital format. If you're the government, if you're a hospital, if you're a doctor's office, anything that has a massive amount of paperwork, scanning something and saving it, it's all digital. It saves companies money, saves companies on storage space. Sort of. Physical storage versus cloud storage, right? But I remember I had to go explain that stuff to people. Of Digitizing documents is a good thing and it'll save companies money. So I want to talk about some of the greatest tech stocks of all time. Oracle. If I were to come up with a who's who of great tech stocks, Oracle's in my top 10. Found in 1977. Publicly traded since 1986. Oracle got into the business of databases. It was a company that rode the late 1990s tech bubble to lofty heights. It crashed along with it. It's had a slow recovery. But they've acquired most of their competition through the years, putting them in a dominant position. 
Larry Ellison still with the company, 40-plus years after starting the role of chief technology officer. Mark Hurd passed away in 2019 with co-CEO Safra Kotz. Expect to take on a bigger role. But Oracle had to move from software to embrace cloud-based services. They used to make... I'm not going to say they used to make, because that sounds like, back in the day, Oracle made. Oracle, when they got a contract, they went into your offices, and they put computers in there, and it was tough to get rid of them. And that's how their database kind of became standard, in the sense that you couldn't get rid of it. Intel is one of the greatest tech companies of all time. You got to love Intel. Cumulative lifetime return, 119,000% if you bought on the first day they came public. One dollar would have got you $119,000. Intel's old time. But they're still pretty dominant in CPUs. They had their first IPO back in 1971. Intel ran away with the market for semiconductors that are the computer's brains. I'm not going to say that they missed the point with ARM semiconductors. Uh, but at one point in time, in the 90s, Intel had close to 100% market share. It's got about 80% today. PC sales are like uh, a big old iceberg. Hey, it's a big old iceberg. It's coming. Ah, well, we don't have to do anything. It's moving slowly. Intel remains the biggest players in CPUs for back-end servers which are very much in demand in order to power the cloud-based computers. Um, Intel was added to the Dow Jones Industrial Average back in 1999. Big, 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 big company. And had they been added in the mid-90s, the Dow would have even been a stronger performer. That's one thing that I don't like about the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, is by the time they get around to adding companies like Apple and Intel, they've already had massive career moves. Talking about some of my favorite tech companies, some of the, the grandfathers, so to speak. Google. If you bought one share on day one when they came public, you've had a 1,500% return. Google's the name changed to Alphabet back in 2015 because what they were doing was they were coming up with a lot of little side projects like Waymo, self-driving cars, and they'd come out with their earnings, and we'd be like, well, why didn't you earn more money? You, you dominate Google's your, your search. When I could say, I Googled you, you know what I'm talking about. So they came up with the name Alphabet because we wanted, as analysts, to know, how did search do? How did the self-driving cars do? How did your drones do? Alphabet has a market cap of about $650 billion right now. Search is their most important business, but it's not their only one. They got Nest Labs. They got Waymo. Um, Nest Labs is kind of like the developer of gadgets for the Internet of Things. They employ a strategy called Moonshot Factory, uh, where they're trying to invent technologies that will change the world. If you ever go to a Google campus, it's pretty intimidating how smart people are there. It's actually another interesting fact about Google Waze versus Google Maps. 
Google Maps remembers everywhere you drive. Even if you're not using the product, it's tracking you. Their Waze isn't collecting data on you. It's interesting that they own both. Most people that I know tend to prefer to use Waze over Google Maps, but slowly but surely, Google's folding them all together, which that's going to get regulators a little pissed off. So I'm talking about some of my favorite tech stocks, 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. These are the grandfathers of tech stocks. These are not necessarily stocks you should hold. Consult a broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks mentioned. But you got to know the players, like Amazon. They were a modest website for book buyers. If you bought one share when they came public, they're now worth $45,000. You got 45,000%. It's been a heck of a share for shareholders. Um, the ride on, on Amazon's amazing. Came public in 1997. Their CEO, Jeff Bezos, wrote a letter to shareholders in that first year in the annual report that said, I'm not going to make money anytime soon. I'm going to build a business. So if you believe that, they've done pretty darn well. Amazon's a leader in cloud computing as well. Grocery business, package delivery. You know what Amazon means in your head, just like you know what Google means in your head. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Time flies. It's really one of the more interesting reasons why... A lot of Americans aren't ready for retirement or aren't even close to ready for retirement because time flies. In your teens, I don't expect you to be a great investor saver. But somewhere between your teens and your 30s, you got to do it because time flies. I was just talking about some of the greatest tech stocks of all time. and Oracle's been pretty dominant at what they do for a long time. There was a point in time where they had competitors like PeopleSoft and Siebel, but time has made you forget them. Intel had competition like Cyrix and AMD, but AMD never really got a material amount of CPU penetration versus Intel. So Intel ran away with it. But you probably forgot about Cyrix. It's like a lot when you talk about Dell, you talk about Dell versus HP. But you probably forgot a lot about Gateway along the way. There's other competitors that have gone bye-bye. One of the things that I do that I'm, I'm a little almost embarrassed about is that 20 years ago, because I was doing a national radio show, I would put different, uh, I would put a whole sector into a Yahoo folder so that I could tell you how that sector did today. And what's interesting about it now is that when I, I still have those sectors, I still have those set up as folders. In Yahoo, and just to show you how much things change. Okay, Cisco was on the networking list twenty years ago. Juniper, they were relevant; they were competition, but not so much now. Lucent, Nortel, Redback, Sienna, Sycamore, Corvus—all gone. All folded up into other companies, or are no longer trading. It's kind of interesting, right? I had I talked about storage because one of the big trends in technology 20 years ago was, well, if we got all this data, we're going to need to store it somewhere. 
and technologies to until about 2000, and they still use it, tape drives. EMC, Brocade, Network Appliance, Hewlett Packard, Sun Microsystems, all in the business of storage. Some of those companies don't exist anymore. So time has a funny way of, of making us forget these things. They say that women, have, when they have babies, that it's, it's pretty crazy painful. But that Mother Nature somehow puts chemicals and hormones in that whole process so that women will have babies again. I don't know how much I believe that, but I don't know how much I believe that Mother Nature is a real thing. I'm not sure Mother Nature wants us to have more babies because we're killing her planet, right? That's what I'm getting at. I don't know if you're with me or against me. But to me, technology is pretty interesting in the sense that some of these companies that I'm talking about from the greatest tech companies of all time, you've likely said they're kind of dull, but they're still around. And I just gave you an example of how some of those tech companies inside their sectors have put other companies completely out of business. Joseph Schumpter is one of my favorite economists. I know you're saying you have favorite economists. Yes, and I've got little trading cards, and I look at them every night. But Joseph Schumpter once said that capitalism is creative destruction. That's technology. Moore's Law, smaller, cheaper, faster. Now, Moore's Law sometimes gets misinterpreted and put into things like software when it's really about semiconductors. But what's interesting about it Smaller, cheaper, faster. The cheaper is the, the kick in the butt. If Intel were to say smaller and faster, but we're not going to go cheaper, last year's prices are going to stay. We're not going to discount them because we got some new stuff coming out. Be like, woohoo, you're a monopoly. And they'd be broken up. But again, there's this thing that happens where smaller, cheaper, faster, it pushes innovation. Next up, my list of tech companies, and the ones that I've hit that are my grandfathers of tech, Oracle, big database software company, not anymore, big database cloud company, Intel, big semiconductor company tied towards CPUs. Through the years, they've tried acquisitions. They've gotten into other areas of, of semiconductors, but never terribly successfully. If you remember the one of the great stories of 2019 was the Qualcomm versus Apple legal issue, where Qualcomm makes some of the best modem chips, but they've got some patents and they've got some claims to fame that tend to put them in a position of charging for a premium to companies like Apple. And Apple's like, well, it's just a modem chip. We can make our own, or Intel will do it for us. And Intel said, well, we can't do it as well as Qualcomm can. So, Going down my list, Intel's on the list, and they haven't hit everything perfectly. I wish I had a chance to tell you that they, they're, they're in every phone. They, they missed it. Microsoft, Steve Ballmer, once referred to Steve Jobs' iPhone as, I don't get it. You don't want to be in the business of, I don't get it. Not in technology when someone else gets it. I like Google's Alphabet. Amazon.com is on my list of grandfather's tech stocks. Going further down that list, you hit IBM. It's a grandfather. Would I own IBM? No. I can make a case for it, but there's too many tech stocks, and I can only own so many. It's got a big, fat dividend yield. When a company has a dividend, it tells you its best growth days are behind it. 
IBM got its famous moniker back in 1924. It was originally included in the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 32. 1932. Woo. This is the granddaddy of tech stocks. IBM produces hardware and software. Consulting is an important area of operation for them. IBM has no shortage of competition, though, in the cloud from Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Oracle, Cisco. Warren Buffett was a big investor in IBM, and I'll be honest with you. I love Warren Buffett, but sometimes he misses it. It was a rare bad call for Mr. Buffet. Um, that's my opinion, that it's been a disappointment for him. He would share a different opinion, probably. Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft. How we used to hate ye back in the 2000s. 1975 is famous for the year Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard to start a computer company with a childhood friend, Paul Allen. 1985, the first Windows operating system went out on sale. Do you remember the blue screen of death? Oh, ho, ho, a lot of people do. Microsoft created a generation of so-called Microsoft millionaires on Wall Street. Not so long ago, Microsoft's glory days looked to be behind them, but with a new CEO, Satya Nadelli, he's helped figure out the cloud-based subscription software. Uh, top player in cloud computing. Shares have tripled the return of the S&P 5 index over the last two years. For the record, again, you know, the, I tell you the Dow is not perfect. They added Microsoft at the height of the dot-com boom in 1999, and then, whoops, it went down for a while. That's your granddaddy of tech, Microsoft. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I just talked about a lot of iconic tech names. I didn't throw Apple on the list. I could have easily thrown Apple on the list, but I think for a lot of people, it's, it's definitely a throwback stock, you know, having found its gumption in the late 90s. Um, but sometimes you just make a list and you just run with it. <laughs> you know, you, don't, you can't get it perfect. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. There's a lot of ways to buy things online that online that can save you money. And I recently discovered a perk inside some of my credit cards. I didn't discover it. I started using it. Your credit cards typically have deals, and sometimes they're not very great. And you're like, well, that doesn't look great. Save 10% on your next Starbucks, up to $1.50. But I don't mind loading that onto my phone when uh, my credit card. So basically, you get an app tied towards your credit card. Let's say it's the Chase card. So you go to your Chase app, and they're like, oh, here's all of our deals for the week or the month. 10% off at Starbucks, up to $1.50. And you're like, $1.50? Is that even worth my time? It's, yeah, all you have to do is hit a button. It's worth your time. So hopefully you're taking advantage of that without going out of your way to spend more money just because it's there. But online shopping portals let you earn airline miles, hotel points, other rewards when you make a purchase or sign up for a participating service online. Not only do all the major airlines have their own portals, but some hotel programs do as well. 
and then credit cards as well. So if you have the time before shopping for something big, you should see if your credit card has a relationship with that company. Or can you do it online through their website? Travel Rewards has been growing in popularity over the last decade. You could use airline miles to pay for first-class flights. For the record, I only use my airline miles on long trips. That's when you get more bang for your buck. Anyone can sign up for a travel brand's loyalty program. Southwest has one of the better ones. So you don't need to pay for the card per se. There's many, many, many of them out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One of the areas of investing that we often overlooked is housing. I would have more money to invest if I didn't have to pay for housing, right? One of the areas that has people fascinated is buying in college towns, especially when your kids are in that college. I've got a neighbor who's got two kids in college right now, and uh, one's in Denver area and one's in Chico. And I was like, did you think about buying an apartment? He's like, oh, we looked into it. But some American parents are putting the money that they'd otherwise spend on out-of-state tuition and room and board for their college-age kids and to the local real estate and a strategy some realtors call buying a kitty condo. A kitty condo is a cute name. A kitty condo is a home in a college town for the kids to live in. Condos provide rental income. It can raise the student's credit score if their name's on the mortgage. Um, it can help establish residency, which is all important in various aspects of your life. It can be a strategy to put your college savings money back into your own pocket, but it doesn't work for every student. I like the idea of buying in college towns. I don't like the idea of being a landlord in a college town. And maybe that's changed. Maybe I'm living in the 1990s still in my head where young people who are in their 20s and 30s are going to trash your home. But if I had a kid going to the University of Texas in Austin, I'd certainly, because I like Austin. I don't live in Austin. I would certainly look at getting a quote-unquote kitty condo. You get a $200,000 condo instead of paying the university for room and board, and it'll save you $30,000 in room and board. And you're putting that money into your own property. But it's not that easy. I mentioned the other day on radio that I talk big concepts to get you to retirement. I could talk about day trading, and I could do it quite well. Someone emailed me, he's like, tell me what to day trade. I'm like, pay me some money. I'm not doing it for free, dude. Um, and then you have to have some risk capital to kind of let it play out. It's the same thing when you go gambling, and I don't endorse gambling, but if you ever do go gambling like blackjack, you got to have $300 and you for a $5 table. You can't have $100 or $20 at a $5 table. It goes too fast. For the record, my theory on gambling and Vegas in general is know that you're going to lose money. Don't be upset about it when you do. Because it's going to happen. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. Um, money investing and more. 
So buying a kitty condo is not a bad idea. The problem with a kitty condo is when your kid's not there, you have to have a property management company. And you property managers differ like gold and clay. They're expensive. I looked into buying a home that I was going to turn into a rental once in Hawaii. Just, I just wanted to see what the cost. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Um, I just wanted to see how much it would cost if you factor in you know, how much would it be used. Well, there's no shortage of rental properties in Hawaii. So I quickly got myself into that math where I was like, it's not going to be rented every month. It's not going to be rented every week. So I was a little less interested but the property management companies in Hawaii take 30%. Typically in luxury areas, it's a 30% fee of your monthly payment. That's pretty crazy. Tough to make money, especially if it sits dormant. So then you have to get into like a good with that property management company so that they want to rent yours versus someone else's. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So, yeah, Hawaii didn't work out for me because of that 30% issue. Now, my home in Raleigh that I have rented, it's only about 8% that the property management company has taken. Not as bad of a hit, but it's still a cost, right? I recently read the blog of a young person named Tara. And... The title of her blog was, well, I don't know about the title, but she basically said, I spent years ignoring money after the Great Recession, basically 2006, 2007, 2008. And now that we're 10 years past that, she goes, I've got some advice for myself, if I can go back in time. She said that she ignored money. She didn't plan. She didn't save. She didn't even check on her bank accounts. She saw the Great Recession turn her parents' careers upside down. And it paralyzed her. As someone who had just turned 30, all of her 20s basically was you know, the start of the Great Recession. So she's now got her ducks in a row, which, again, that's cute, right? Have you ever seen ducks walking around? It's cute. If she can go back in time, she would say, she would tell her younger self to learn everything that you can on finances. Um, educate yourself. The more you educate yourself, the less anxious you're going to be. I played goalkeeper growing up in soccer. And the, the more I practiced, the more I practiced, the more I practiced, the more comfortable I was. If I didn't practice, I was a mess mentally. She said that she would tell her younger self to pay off your credit card in full. She had so much financial anxiety in her 20s that she developed a habit of paying off her credit card balance every month, which is good. That's exactly what I do, so that you don't get hit with fees and you don't get hit with interest charges. Going back in time, she would tell her younger self, make your money work for you. And that's why she says, I like credit cards with reward points. She likes high-yield savings accounts. So that, you know, if she's got $1,000, there's a company called Stash right now that you could get 2% on your cash. That's not bad. It's close to 2%. It's not 2%. With high-yield savings account, you earn more interest. And again, it's not a lot, but it's not bad. 
she said that she wants her younger self to separate her money into multiple accounts. Now, this is the interesting one. I'm always interested to see how millennials are doing stuff. Are they doing it right or wrong? Part of getting her financial life together and was a big part of you know separating her funds into different accounts so that she could say, okay, this is a retirement account. This is a savings account. This is uh, an emergency account. It helped her with her anxiety to put things in cute little packages. Ray Lucia, who's out of the business for legal reasons, once had a strategy called Buckets Money, which isn't a bad way of thinking about it. So she's, Tara's doing the same exact thing. She wanted dedicated savings. She wanted everyday checking. She wanted a rating day fund. She wanted down payment on a house fund. I like that. And then she said, set concrete savings goals. Um, I like to save minimum $2,000 extra a month above and beyond my 401k, $24,000 a year. Some years I'm like, I'm going to up that to $25,000 a year or $30,000 a year. And if you don't make it part of like, okay, I'm not up in it. If you don't make it part of your system, it's too easy to ignore. So I like the fact that a young person who was 20 10 years ago is looking back and saying, oh, I did it all wrong. I shouldn't have put my head in the, the sand like an ostrich. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money. Best more. Death by Amazon or being Amazoned. It's been greatly exaggerated, but it's a good story. Amazon has definitely changed bricks and mortar stores. It remains a formidable foe. They are not going away. Investors are enamored with e-commerce. And you think of Amazon, you think of e-commerce. But what else do you think of? That's a pretty good question as far as what else makes you think of e-commerce, right? Like, does McDonald's? McDonald's makes me think of e-commerce. Chipotle. Yes. Getting in on your phone is a big thing right now. 2019, we did a lot of stories during the summer on how much chicken is being sold in the fast food restaurants. Whether it be everyone's favorite chicken sandwich, is it Popeye's? Is it Chick-fil-A? McDonald's has got a creamy buttermilk sandwich. Is that good enough? Does it compete? Does it not? Wendy's has the spicy nuggets. And then we turn the page the next month, and there was something else to promote. Maybe the chicken gets replaced with a pig, with pork. So companies like McDonald's, you may not think is a big tech company, but their supply chains kind of went through a big technology um, how shall we say, uh, change, land shift. But so too are their um, their apps. We'll talk about that in just a second. McDonald's lost a few recent fast food skirmishes. What I'm telling you, like the whole Chick-fil-A thing and Popeye's chicken sandwich and getting into social media was a really good thing for the 
industry to really embrace kind of like the, the fervor mentality. Burger King has probably beaten everyone to the fake meat. But the Impossible Whopper has quickly been followed by fake meat at multiple fast food stores now. The Big Mac is under attack. You know, when I think, you know, I think you know what I'm saying when I say the word Big Mac, right? It, does an image come into your head? McDonald's will now deliver. That's a game changer. In large part because it's now digital. We can go onto our apps and we can say, hey, I'd like uh, some nuggets delivered. Or if you're in California, you might be very, very stoned because weed is legal. I hear there's a restaurant now in L.A. that opened that basically they've legalized marijuana, right? So they're making it a cafe where you could order real food that's not infused with CBD or it's not infused with anything marijuana. But you could order food and, and, you know, a joint from the bar, so to speak. My question is, don't people who smoke a lot of marijuana or don't people on marijuana tend to, like, sit there all day? (laughs) I guess you could could sell more food, right? So McDonald's loses on occasion, but not very often. Even if they have a bad quarter, I'm interested in picking up shares. Because McDonald's is McDonald's. It's been around for a long time. And, yeah, there's going to be times where they come up short. There's going to be times where they miss it. There's going to be times where we get mad at them. We run out of favor. The burger segment, though, is strong. So five guys, a lot of companies are coming. I'm not going to say a lot of them are going to disappear because some of these guys have a quite strong herd of followers. What's surprising about McDonald's numbers is how strong the limited service burger category is doing. So limited service burger. McDonald's results in the limited service segment is indeed doing better than the casual dining segment. Consumer demand for chicken and chicken segment is cutting into burgers a little bit. I think that's fair to say. Burger King said that the Impossible Whopper has has brought more traffic into their stores because people are curious. Huge opportunities, though. Digital investment. If you go into McDonald's now, they've got a lot of digital kiosks. They've got a lot of digital order boards outside in the the um, drive-through line. If you have a digital menu, you change prices on the fly. On a really hot day, you could jack the price of Coca-Cola from a buck to a buck five, for instance. Promotions on McDonald's menu items don't necessarily spur sales enough. But with digital technologies, McDonald's is upping their game to get more up sales. They're not too far behind on fake meat. They've been parodied. Do you remember in Coming to America, McDonald's was parodied with Coming uh, McDonald's? <laughs> uh, so when you're that kind of iconic, that's a good thing. And I think consolidation continues to play for McDonald's strengths. We're going back into a period of restaurants as conglomerates. Think about all the acquisitions that a lot of these companies have done. McDonald's has a huge global footprint. I'm not telling you to buy the company. I'm saying don't be ashamed if you do. 
There's reasons to buy companies like McDonald's. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. It's kind of funny that you can be shamed into owning stocks. A lot of my friends don't really grasp what Wall Street is, and when they talk to me, they're like, "Oh, it just—it's a big roller coaster." And they try to shame me into liking something that burned them because they thought it was a roller coaster versus something that goes up seven out of ten years. Yeah, yeah, people there. There's there's investment shaming for sure. People who don't do it well, they tend to tell you that it, it's rigged against you. <laughs> Find me online at Rob Black Show, newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Big seminar coming up. You can sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com. Listen to the commercials. You'll hear more information about it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find me also at newfocusfinancial.com.